is Tuesday, September 29th, 2020. I'm Kevin Williams. This is the LDS Podcast. And I know I haven't done a podcast in a while. There's a lot going on in my personal life that I can't get into right now. But I promise you, we are back. And I have some podcasts in the works. Uh, by the way, you might be interested to know that I am actually recording this podcast in Idaho on vacation. What I did is I packed up my broadcast equipment with me, and it's here, and I actually hooked it up about an hour before coming on. So I'm here today with uh, Tristan. How do you pronounce your last name? It's Mourier. Mollier? Mourier. Oh, oh Bollier. <laughs> Wait, how, okay, say it again. Tristan Mourier. Moyer. Moyer? Yeah, the perfect. Okay. Tristan Moyer is my guest here today, and uh, obviously you'll see that on the, the uh, podcast notes. There's a very interesting movement going on at BYU right now to start a pro-life club and to clear up some misconceptions about what's happening. I figured Tristan would be a very good guest because he is one of the co-founders of this movement. And from what I understand, Tristan, you tried to – Put a you tried to get a club together, the pro life club, and the faculty turned you down because you're too controversial. And Hannah Sisseri, is that how I pronounce her last name? Sisserac? Syriac. Syriac, close. Oh, that sounds a lot like Governor Steve Sisolak, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think she's better than Steve Sisolak, though. Uh, <laughs> Hannah, bit, yeah. yeah, Hannah Syriac. And uh from my understanding, you tried to start this movement at the pro-life club and BYU said the faculty that it's too controversial. Now, did they tell you to reward your, uh, your, your petition so it wouldn't sound too controversial or did they give you any directions there or uh, so you, did they give right. you a reason why it's too controversial? Right. So to, to, to clear up a few things. So I, uh, the pro-life club thing was not from me directly. What happened is there was, there was um, lots of separate little initiatives by different people to start clubs of the like. So the pro-life club was tried to be started by Hannah. Um, and I did not know her back then, but I had another friend on my own who tried to do one. And the answer they got essentially was no faculty will sponsor this. And it was really interesting because you would think that it wouldn't be that, that big of a, uh, of a crusade to try to get a pro-life club at BYU, but yet it was indeed very controversial. And, um, and it, it, the problem was not so, so much with BYU accepting the club, it was with the faculty, none of the faculty being willing to um, be a faculty advisor. You need a faculty advisor when you have a club. And so we were trying to do a, a family proclamation club, kind of like a um, almost a training center for people to be able to be knowledgeable about the issues and know how to defend the proclamation on the public square. Yeah. And we got the same response that it would be too controversial. Now what's interesting is you have lots of other clubs that do not seem to have had that kind of treatment, even though they were pretty, adamant in their in their approach well not adamant but uh, radical in their in their claims um i mean if you just see what the BU democrats are talking about in their meetings 
or the Black Student Union or um, the Same Gender Attraction Club. Not that I have anything in particular against these clubs, but if you go to the meetings and you see what's being said, you start to think, how is this, how is this not completely contrary to BU's mission? Is, is what I'm getting at. And, <clears throat> and we realized that we were getting a lot more position trying to tackle, like trying to defend the church through these clubs rather than to express positions that may be contrary to its doctrine. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me ask you this, though, uh, because I think this is an important question for the listeners. I'm curious to know, did they tell you, the faculty, did they tell you to reword your petitions so it wouldn't be so controversial? Did they give you another reason as to why they would not sponsor the club? Because I know sometimes if you reworded it, I'm not saying they did. I'm just wondering. Right. So what ended up happening is that before we could even reward um, our, our proposition, COVID hit. And so everyone just went home and that whole issue, which, so all of the things we're trying to do were also in response to a lot of, of protest on campus. Yeah. And all of this died off very quickly when COVID-19 started to hit. And so all of this was not mentioned again up until July. So from March to July, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. What rekindled the issue is that I went on NSCRIAC's podcast, um, one of the Fair Mormon podcasts, and we talked about these issues. Shortly after that, Anna, Hannah and I wrote a petition that's being signed, I think by almost 4,000 people now, um, about the secularization of BOU's endeavor, faculty, research, that was starting to be detrimental to the to the the promoting of the church and church ideals, essentially. So you would, um, you would start seeing things not just being taught in class, but advocated in class that were contrary to church doctrine. Our professors that would tell you that the proclamation is an outdated document written by bigots instead of, you know, an official church document and all these kind of things. And so that's why we... There was faculty telling you this? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You, this certain departments seem very adamant in re- rewriting the official, I don't want to say gospel, but essentially they're trying to counsel God in, um, in how he should handle his, his uh, temporal affairs and uh, his position on societal issues. And so they'll openly tell you that, you know, scriptures are outdated or that the prophets have no idea what they're talking about that since the proclamation was written we've made lots of strides in the the social sciences now we understand gender better and we understand um you know lgbt issues or abortion better than than they did back then and so uh, now we're enlightened now we really get it and my response to them is you're wrong and you're preaching apostasy if you look at if you look at the numbers, it is absolutely dramatic. The number of people that leave the church after having gone through certain programs at BYU, and these programs are sociology, social sciences in general, psychology, English, and political science. 
mainly. And I was trying to understand why, why was there such a discrepancy between the rest of the BU community and certain majors? But then when you would look at the research of these professors, what they were teaching in class, you would explain because a lot of times you had anti-Mormonism taught in classes. Now, I'm not trying to say that everyone in this department is rotten, but there seemed to be a prevalence of a certain ideology in this department that is contrary to the gospel. Kind of like this, a progressive movement of sorts that think that they know better than God. So uh, how did, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to get the better, the bigger picture here. Were you in some of these classes or how did they word the, the sentences or whatever when they said the proclamation is out of date or did they just indirectly tell you that or what were the, what, were you sitting in some of these classes or how did, how did you get this information? So some people that I've been working with, um, I, don't, I don't manage the page myself. Mm -hmm. But there is a, a, a page on Instagram and Twitter called Keeping Faith at BYU that studied to put together some of these stories, right? Yeah. So let me, let me pull one up to give you an idea. Yeah. And by the way, while he's pulling that up, uh, I do have another question for you. Some people right. say, well, we'll get into that later because I want to get into this. But I have noticed, you know, I, I have never been a student at BYU. I have, in fact, I have only been on the BYU campus probably about three or four times in my entire life. Right. Now, one of the things I can say about the BYU campus, I was very impressed with the bookstore because not only did the bookstore have academic books, but it had LDS-related authors. I, I don't want to say it's like Deseret Book, but it did have some uh, LDS-related authors. It had BYU mm. memorabilia, which I would expect any school to have memorabilia with their university. I went to SUU, and it had SUU memorabilia. But it seemed like there was kind of this uh, third dimension to the bookstore at BYU where it had all kinds of books, not just your textbooks. Am I correct? Right. Well, it's, now, it's a church school, yeah. Yeah. Now, one just for the record, I have not been, obviously, a BYU student, and here's why. I am a blind person, and I lived with my parents till I was about 24 years old. And I went to training at the Louisiana Center for the Blind back in 2003 to 2004, and so by the time I had all my training underneath me, I decided I'm going out on my own. I'm going to college on my own. You want to know why I didn't go to BYU? And this, is, this was my choice. I could have gone to BYU. Absolutely. I had the great point average. I think I had the personality for it. I did not go to BYU because, and we're going to get into this, I did not want to follow the honor code. Now, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't fornicate, I don't do any of that. But what I, I didn't want somebody to tell me at the age of 24, you have to be in by this certain time, because I did live on campus for a couple semesters at SUU uh, down at Southern Utah University because it was just convenient for me, just because of some of the classes I was taking. It made sense for at least the first two semesters to live on campus. Nor did I want 
And uh, we'll, we'll get into this early. We'll get into this later. BYU approved housing, kind of snitching on me or whatever. But you know what? That's a choice. I could have gone to BYU and just complained and griped about the honor code. But I did not want to follow that part of the honor code. So there's a difference between me not going and somebody going, citing the honor code, which we'll get to later, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is a difference. And, um, and again, how do I put this? I understand the beauty is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But there, there's something else that was misunderstood about the petition. And, um, and I think that if people want to understand what we're talking about, they should go and read the petition that you can find on change.org. Yep. Um, called um, uh, Reemphasizing Christ-Centered Education at BYU. Essentially, we do not want only theological topics to be taught at BYU. If you're going to go in social sciences or in engineering or any other um, major that's not religion, you're going to have to learn about, quote unquote, the philosophies of men. We don't mm-hmm. have a problem with this. You have to learn about Marxism. Like it is, yes. you, can't, you can bypass that. If you're going to do econ, if you're going to do political science, anything, you have to learn about these things. Now, was Marxism completely decried by the brethren for 100 years? Yes, but you have to learn about it. Our problem was not that these things were taught, is that the teachers themselves were converted to these ideologies and were preaching that to the students. So do, do you see the distinction here? Yes. Now, um, you said that right. there was something on the Instagram page where some professor or something basically said the proclamation was out of yeah. date. Or, and I've heard these stories. That's why I wanted to get you on here. So let me read to you a couple, a couple of them. In a, in a class discussion on gender in the Middle East, a professor said, well, since we know that gender is on a spectrum, the brethren actually made a mistake saying gender is eternal in the family proclamation. They were wrong. So that seems. Wow. So it's, it's pretty straightforward, right? Now, I want you to understand the contest. The people that go to BYU and some of these classes are taught to 18 years old. Mm-hmm. 18 years old. Like they're, they're not um, PhD students who have done a lot of research, who are very established in their own personality. A lot of them are very impressionable. And so they see these teachers in positions of authority. So can you like try to understand the cognitive dissonance that happens when you've been taught something your whole life? And then yeah. the teachers are like, at a church school, they tell you, actually, the, the leaders of the church were wrong about all this. So let me read you. A, oh, this was an interesting one. So you're aware that there were a controversy with the honor code change. Essentially, um, there was a huge misunderstanding that homosexual dating was now being accepted at BYU. I want to get into that. Yeah, let's get into that. Okay. So essentially, I'll give you the, I'll give you the quick rundown. Late February, we received a letter saying that the honor code had been modified and essentially removed the clause saying homosexual dating was now uh, was um, was one of the things that was prohibited on the honor code. It, it, they just removed that thing from 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 the honor code, but they still said you have to respect the law of chastity and abide by the standards of the church. Some, oh, I'm sorry, I have to read this. Some. members of BU's administration, especially from the owner code office and the communications department, took it upon themselves to interpret that change. And instead of just 
saying, we'll wait on confirmation by the brethren of what it means, they essentially told the student body and made it public on Twitter that homosexual behavior was now acceptable on campus. And so almost yeah. immediately you started seeing like uh, two women kissing in front of the, of the administration building, celebrating all these things. And we know that this was true because me and a couple of my associates went into the honor code office, recorded the conversations, asking point blank to the guys, is homosexual dating okay now? Will it, and they said it will not be disciplined by the honor code office. I re yeah, and by the way, he's not making this up. I remember this article in the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, I'm sure the Deseret News wrote it too. Uh, he Tristan is not making this up. This actually happened. I remember specifically people being interviewed in the Salt Lake Tribune, and there were pictures of same-sex couples kissing in front of the statue. I remember that. This is not a lie, folks. Well, and yeah. it was because, like you said, the homosexual dating was taken out of the honor code. I think if, I, if memory serves me correctly, they put it back in, didn't they? No. So, so, well, so what happened is during these two weeks, we did not get any information about this, neither from President Worthen, neither from uh, the BOE honor code office. It was just complete chaos on all sides, on the quote-unquote conservative side, the traditionalist side, and on the progressive side who... Everybody just did not know what was going on. Then, <clears throat> two weeks later, two whole weeks later, we received Elder Ballard to give a talk at the devotional. And he essentially said, um, the main, your main identity should not be <clears throat> an affiliation with, um, you know, with any groups. It should primarily be with you as a, as a son of God, or a daughter of God, essentially. And then mm -hmm. the next day, uh, Elder Johnson, the church commissioner, so the, essentially the 70 who's in charge of the, the, you know, doing the liaison with the schools, put out a letter saying that this was a misinterpretation and that homosexual behavior and dating was still not acceptable at, at church schools. Who put that out? Elder Johnson. Okay. He's the and church he commissioner. he is a 70, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. He's, he's, the, um, he, he's the general authority in charge of like doing the liaison between the, the church schools and the, and the brethren. Yeah. Okay. And, and so he put that out. Who, did he tell that to the honor code? Who did he tell that to? Because I remember there was, what's that? He sent, he, they sent out a letter to all the student body. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember there was a lot of uh, misconceptions about the honor code and I'm just going to say this as a member of the church. I called into a talk show, right. uh, Loving Liberty, back then and said, uh, BYU did not do its students any service by doing what they did to the honor code. There was so much misconceptions. Right. And I remember that people were irate, at least the uh, same-sex couple. I remember same-sex couples. I remember on social media, all the rage was going on on my Facebook page about this and people were for it and it was a mess. BYU a mess. did not do any favors to anybody. Yeah. And that's exactly that. what I, I, I want you to say is that this was not a random move. No, this is the consequence of decades of negligence and um, 
I almost want to say cowardness from many members of administration who did not want to tackle the underlying issue of this because these protests were not, um, they were just a symptom of a deeper problem. The deeper problem is that we have allowed adamant progressists to be part of every aspect of the university and they have tried to undermine the church's mission and doctrine from the inside. Now it's going to sound very, you know, conspiracy theory or whatever, but, but it's true. It's documented. We have everything that shows that you have entire departments who have been covering for apostasy being taught in classrooms. You have, um, you have had this climate of controversy at BU for a long time. That was just, that was just the thing that made it blew up. But if you think about it for a second, it's just, how do I put this? It makes the church looks extremely bad. Uh, yeah, and I have heard uh, complaints from time to time. Not so much people telling me personally, but parents calling in on certain talk shows that I've listened to over time. Yeah. Oh, I'm upset that uh, my student's getting a liberal education at BYU. And I'm talking liberal, some of you may call it leftist. Yeah. My student comes home, came home this semester and just talked about how, you know, homosexuality is acceptable or whatever. I can't remember the exact wording. It was something along those lines. Or, exactly right. Yeah. You, you, have, you, have these, you have these kids from the Utah Valley, right? And they went to high school in San Diego or wherever. Parents are conservative. Then they go to BYU for four years and they come back and they're communists. And the parents wow. are like, what happened? I sent my kids to be for the very purpose of trying to avoid this. But the truth is some of these departments do not teach any different than Berkeley. Yeah. Now I, I do want to play devil's advocate just to get the point across because somebody once told me, you have to remember that there are professors at BYU, just like any university, who have different political leanings. So what would you say to somebody like, you know, let's, let's pretend I was a professor at BYU. Now, I am mostly conservative. There are some issues I'm liberal about, like mass transit or, uh, I don't know, I'm somewhat liberal about Medicaid, Medicare, somewhat, although I'll be the first to tell you this has to be reformed. It has to be. But, okay, so what would you say to a professor like me who's teaching some liberal leanings, but I'm not a leftist by any of I'm still teaching the proclamation on the family is doctrine. The proclamation, you know, homosexuality is wrong. What would you say to a professor like me? Well, you, you're not a problem at all. I don't care about that. Okay. You, 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 that's what I'm saying is that is not at all the issues that I'm worried about. Yeah. The, the whole, like um, – I don't have a problem with liberals. Like you said, mm -hmm. you have to make the distinction between, between liberals and, and leftists. I guess that's what you would call it. Yeah. The, the, there is a clear distinction here. It's not about single-payer healthcare or, or these kind of things. You know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that if you ever voted for Democrats in your life, then you need to be removed from the university. What I'm saying is the, the climate has changed and that the political issues have changed. Mm -hmm. it's 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 very different to say you know what guys i i know that the church isn't so big on on you know on some uh 
communism or whatever. But, but, but the difference is, that's one thing. What they're saying is, the church is wrong. Joseph Smith uh, did not understand what he was talking about. Um, they, they questioned the prophetic callings of Joseph Smith. They questioned the veracity of scripture. They questioned the inspiration of the brethren. All of the things that are keeping the church together almost, right? They have a, you know how people sometimes talk about single, single issue voters? Yes. Well, they are single issue gospelians. Is that to them, the gospel is purely love thy neighbor. That's it. There is nothing else in the scripture. Jesus is just this hippie figure that just says, love everyone and you'll be fine. They completely ignore all of the other commandments, all of the other books of scriptures. They only see Jesus as Matthew 5. And look, Matthew 5 is very important, but the problem is you are denaturing and desecrating the teachings of Christ when you don't take it in its complexity. I don't have a problem with liberal professors. My problem is professors that are encouraging their students to leave the church and are telling them that there are groups that will help them transition out of the church if they wish to do so. So let's, let's bring this down, though, to a personal level. You, I, I, I assume that you've had this talk at BYU, as I have at Salt Lake Community College when I was taking psychology classes. They'll tell you there's a difference between gender and male and female body parts. Then they'll talk about gender roles. Uh, you're know. talking about things like this, I assume, as well. Right. Okay. Now, back to, I, I want to get back to what we're talking about, but back to what you tried to do with your club. So you were told that you could not start this club because of the fact that it was too controversial and the faculty would not sponsor it. And then they were adamant about rewarding it. How did they want this rewarded? Um, they did not even want it to be rewarded. What happened is that the professors would not, would not sponsor us for fear of backlash from their colleagues and departments. So I, there are lots of people who would, from their own conviction, sponsor a family proclamation club. The problem is their liberal colleagues would come down on them very hard. Okay, and so let me, let me get this clear real quick. You tried to start a pro-life club and a family proclamation club? The, the, the pro-life club was not from me. That's, that's from Hannah Syriac. Okay, yeah. and then where did the family proclamation club come in? Um, at the same time of the protest. Essentially, what we're saying is we do not hate homosexuals. Yeah. We are just trying to defend the doctrine of the church. And so we were trying to start a club to essentially train people on how to do that. Okay. So at the same time, I just want to get this straight. There was a pro-life club and a proclamation on the family. Uh, okay. Now, did these two, did these two founders know that the two people existed in terms of trying to start these clubs? At the time. Not at the time. Okay. We, we so, all kind of came together after the petition, which was done early August, late July. Okay. So, okay. So, so Hannah Sisarak decided to start the pro-life club. And then if I remember, okay. So did you try to start the proclamation club then? 
Yeah, well, Hannah Syriac is only one of many people who have tried to do a pro-life club, and they have they all been told the same thing. So let me let me run this through for a second. Is that yeah? Essentially, conservatives at BYU, I I believe, are still represented pretty pretty largely. The problem is the rest of academia in America is extremely liberal, mm-hmm. and so you and so when you're at BYU and you're a liberal, you almost have to like pledge allegiance to to the cause to the global cause instead of to be used mission in case you ever want to leave the university for somewhere else because mm-hmm. if you've been branded as a BYU bigot you will you won't find employment at other universities yeah does that make sense yes so if, so if you're conservative you shut your mouth as much as possible and if you're a liberal you make very clear that this whole that oh yes I'm at BYU but I'm not of BYU I'm Sure, I teach at a church school, but I'm I'm holding LGBTQ forums for my students to uh, encourage them in their lifestyle. Does that make sense? Because yes. if I ever want to leave the school, that's my only way to be accepted by the rest of academia instead of being shunned as a Mormon fanatic. Yeah, but but uh, did you personally try to start the proclamation of the family club yes. or on the family? Okay, with, with a couple so- of my friends. Yeah. Okay, and so you got the same treatment as Hannah. Uh, how do you? I'll never. Syriac. Syriac. You got the yeah. same treatment as Hannah Syriac. Yeah, and again, it's not okay. some the university telling you we will shut you down. It's the university telling you you won't find faculty, you won't find people yeah. to support you. And so yeah. that's my catch: is if if at BYU we cannot defend the doctrine of the church, then then where are you going to do it? It's, it's, it's the largest institution aside from the church that has a voice like this. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's, it's a training ground. If you look at Brigham Young in, in 1870, he'll tell you that he's seeing the rest of the world going one direction in academia with, you know, evolutionary theories and all that stuff. And he's saying essentially we need to create a place where we can train people to fight worldly ideologies yeah i think i read that's on the change.org website correct i think i came across that as i did my research yeah that's one of that's one of the things we use and and it's true it's brigham Young said that was going to be the purpose of the university the mission of byu if you look at the mission statement is to to help um to, to help students on the path to eternal life essentially yeah so how are we supposed to do this if we start to change the doctrine and to like start teaching stuff contrary to doctrine to students? And again, I don't mean teaching as in like telling them about it. I mean, preaching. I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy that comes from a traditional family spends four years at BYU and comes back <laughs> as a socialist. Yeah. That, that thinks that the church is wrong on every societal issues, that's pro-abortion and all these things. Now, he may have come to this, he may have come to all these conclusions by himself, which is one thing, right? And you can, you can never make sure that everyone get, gets on board, but there seemed to be a pattern in some of these majors to produce this type of change in their students. And they Absolutely. Are, right, okay. 
Now, to just make it clear, though, they, they didn't even tell you, the professors, they didn't even tell you how to reward it. They just didn't want to sponsor it, correct? They didn't tell you how to reward this or any of that. Right. So, okay. Yeah. It, it was pointless because the, the very foundation of the club was against their own interest. Here's, here's the thing, Kevin. So, many professors come to me in private, anonymously, telling me, we agree with you. Thank you for doing this. I cannot come out publicly to support you. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my job. Wow. But what we are saying is not, it shouldn't be controversial. Yeah. It was just saying, you know what? Yeah, the proclamation of the family is doctrine. And uh, no, we shouldn't preach um, stuff contrary to the church. All I'm, all I'm asking is for anti-Mormonism to not be taught at BYU. On, yeah. on Titan funds. It's, it's really not um, radical of an idea. No, but it's not. We've run into a lot more problems than I was expecting, I'll tell you that. Okay, so let me ask you this. There is a prediction out there. As you know, LDS Business College is in the midst of changing their name to Ensign College. Yeah. There is speculation out there that BYU, BYU-Idaho, BYU-Hawaii is going to change their whole name to Enzyme College. Now, I don't know if that's true. I've just heard the speculation out there from people who claim to be in the know. If that's true, would this be a step? Do you think the brethren of the church, particularly the Quorum of the Twelve, are aware of what's going on here? I, I would hope so, because maybe this is... This whole idea of if this is true, that it's going to change the Enzyme College. Well, I don't even know if it's all the way true or if it's true, but if it's true that all these church colleges are going to change their name, do you think that that might be the reason if this is actually true? So I've never heard about all the schools changing their name to Enzyme College. Now, the brethren are aware of the, of the issue and they send people regularly down to kind of try to course correct. There's two problems with this. First of all, we speak of the brethren as a united body. They're not always, they have their different opinions and it's purposeful. Like the Lord is raising people with different opinions so that you can look at an issue on its globality. So none of the, what I'm saying is that not every single one of the brethren are as conservative necessarily as, as would have Benson. Do you, oh, do you yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad for this reason. Yeah. I'm saying they don't necessarily have the same sensitivity or inclination as uh, some of the old timers. Now, um, I'll also say this. Some professors at BYU have had hundreds of student reports against them saying, this guy should not be here. He's preaching anti-Mormonism in classes. This is bad news. The problem is this, it will go up to BYU's administration and then BYU's administration say, well, we've hired deans for a reason. So they'll say, let's try to have them disciplined by the deans. But here's the catch. If the deans agree with the professor, nothing gets done and it's being put under the rugs. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now when you say the brethren are not all in agreement you're talking about the Quorum of the Twelve, or are you talking about the Quorum of the Seventies as well? I just want to make that clear. The I'm, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about all the general authorities, but mostly, mostly like, even like the Quorum of the Twelve, like they don't agree on every societal issues. Yeah, 
it, it, it's not apostate to say this. I respect them and they have inspiration, but they, they, nothing comes out when they're not in agreement, right? So, um, I mean, Elder, I think it's Elder Gong that's a registered Democrat, for example. Now, I don't think that he's necessarily a radical fanatic. You know, he's, I think he's probably more of a moderate Democrat, like, you know, yeah. he was or whatever. But do, do you see what I'm saying? Is that they're not all super adamant about conservatism. And I, and I think a lot of members of the church need to realize this, is that um, the welfare of the church is much more dependent on individual members' action than purely on the leadership of the brethren. We cannot... On, we cannot wait for the brethren to guide us in every single thing we do. We have to do many things of our own initiative. That's not blasphemy to say. It's just the parable of the talents. Yes. Brethren will tell you this when you talk to them in private is that their hands are tied on many things because if they say one word that's out of order, they'll get lawsuits, they'll get media stuff. The one thing they're trying to avoid more than anything is PR scandals. So that's why even me, like I have to be very careful in what I say because if I, there's many things I could do, but I'm not doing by respect for the church and the brethren. I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I love the church. I'm trying to defend it the most I can. But, but if I use all of my ammunition right now, I might embarrass people and I don't want to do that. So it's a fine line to, to, to walk. Right. Yeah. and uh, so that's, that's what I will tell you is members of the church need to realize this. The reason why BYU is in the state it is today is not because the brethren are not doing their job. is because we've been too complacent with this. We've been too complacent not tackling the issue. We've been too complacent not complaining to BYU's administration. If every single soccer mom of the church would write letters to BYU saying, how come my kid came back a communist and would, would start being very adamant about this and saying, I'm going to pull my donations out of BYU if, if you don't fix your crap, things would move a lot faster than if we expect the brethren to take care of everything. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, I want to go back to something that you said about uh, the Quorum of the Twelve. Now, I, I, I do not believe for one second that there are any radical leftists in the Quorum no, of the Twelve. Yeah. But it is true, and I know this from a guy who's a friend of mine that did news in St. George, Utah, and I think he's actually met some of the brethren. He'll tell you, and I've heard this from other people in news, the Quorum of the Twelve have been known to butt heads on issues. Even President Hinckley said in a 1994 priesthood session, April of 94, he alluded to this. He didn't say people butt heads, but he did say there are strong personalities. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he said that, that the Quorum of the Twelve, we all have strong personalities and we have strong disagreements. It's to be expected when people have different backgrounds. But uh, Tristan and I do not believe for one second that there are any radical leftists in the Quorum of the Twelve. I think it comes back to experience and what you said. Maybe people, you know, obviously the students are being, well, maybe not so much the students, but the parents are being complacent. You know, my students being taught that the proclamation of the family is out of date or Maybe they don't say that, but they'll say, oh, yeah, we're, I'm for 
uh, same-sex marriages or whatever, but uh, the proclamation says differently. You're kind of dancing around the issue, am I correct? Yeah, and, and again, I want to make this very clear, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that, is I sustain the brethren. I don't have yeah. a problem with them not being, you know, all as we have Benson's. I, 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 I support them, and I, I don't think the church is misleading its members. What I am saying is, I think the church and the Book of Mormon talks about this over and over again. The church would be in better shape if we studied to care more. I, I'm yeah. not trying to tell the brethren what to do. That's not my jurisdiction. What I'm trying to do is raise awareness for the members yeah. to understand what's going on at BYU. Because I respect President Worthen and I truly pray for him. But I'm wondering respectfully if he understands the issue completely. Well, because let me I, ask. Oh, go I, ahead. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think they do. Not that they're bad people. It's just I don't think they understand the true cunning problems with the ideology of the postmodernists and the deconstructionists and all these radical leftists, as you may call them. Right? They do not no. realize how contrary to the gospel and to the welfare, the spiritual welfare of their students, these ideologies are. Well, let me ask you this, because I looked on uh, BYU's website last night in preparation for this podcast. I'm not, I was surprised at how many clubs there are at BYU. There are tons. Now, maybe there are the same amount of clubs at any university. I don't know, because when I was at SUU, I never joined a club. I didn't have time. Yeah. I was too busy with broadcasting, and uh, I was too busy with homework. The most I did was covered student government meetings for a semester and then reported on them at the radio station. Right. But I'll tell you, there are tons of clubs. Now, I bring this up because I know at one point there was an LGBT club at BYU. Yeah. And I didn't see that on the website. Did they disband that club? Because if they put a if they're telling you that a proclamation of the family and pro-life club is too controversial, they didn't even tell you how to reward it. And, but yet they had an LGBT club. Something is very fishy here. What happened? So, Kevin, it's, it's very simple. If you are the advisor for the LGBT club at BYU, as a BYU faculty, that wins you points, that you, you get points for that on the general um, – on the general academia in America. That's, you're the good guys. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is consistent with the general ideology. So faculties are fighting to be the advisor for the LGBT club. The, do you see what I'm saying? Even, yeah. It's, it's good for you because when you want to transfer to whatever other school, and they tell you, oh, you went to BYU? Like, what do you think about what they've been doing? Oh, I know what they're doing, but I'm not part of these guys. Look at me. I was, I was the advisor for the LGBT club. I was the, look at my papers. I, I tried to say that there was some nuance and that we should change things at BYU and blah, blah, blah. So you, you get social points for doing this. Whereas if you are the pro-life club advisor, then you get put into the bigot, racist, reactionary uh, yeah. Now, do you know if the pro if the uh, LGBT club is no longer exist is no longer in existence at BYU? Because I could not find it on the club's website, it is. or I it's, could not. It's called, it's called something else. It's called a uh, same um, same gender attraction SSGA or something like that. 
I don't even you, think you, I saw that on there. I'd have to look again. I, I looked everywhere. But there I'll, is... I'll to you. It's called BYU SSGA. Oh, I think I did. Okay. Same, gender, um, same, uh, same sex gender attraction or something like that. I think, okay, I'll have to look again. Um, but I did find some clubs, and I, I don't want to speculate because I've never been to these club meetings. I don't know what goes on there, so I'm not going to get into speculation. But I saw some clubs on there. One of them has to do with uh, hip-hop dance. One of them has to do with racial relations. Some of those might be teaching, oh, we got to get rid of the Brigham Young name at BYU because yeah, and I, I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating this could be going on. I don't know. It is. It is. Okay. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, they, there might be some – back to what you're talking about, rewriting history – Take getting Brigham Young's name out of BYU, the, this racial club, this racial relationship club, might be trying to teach students, we got to get Brigham Young out of here. We got to get a different name. Um, you know, the hip-hop dance, I don't know what kind of dance movements they're teaching. Certainly, they're not going to teach you how to do radical, exotic dancing. But my concern is, and you might know this better than me. Again, I don't know. I'm not down there. But what if some of the students are wearing immodest clothing while dancing or something? I don't know, but it's possible. Right. Um, do you know? Um, I've not looked into, into that specific issue. Okay, so we're just speculating. It's possible. I don't know. He doesn't know. I, it's It's... You know, you can you only have time for so many battles, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not involved in everything. I don't know about the hip hop stuff. But but let me ask you this, because I've heard it said by a well-known patriot in this country, at least in this part of the United States, the Intermountain West, and I've heard it said in different ways. But I've recently heard it said, oh, I want to say about a year and a half ago that the church is being infiltrated by socialists. Do you think that this individual was talking about BYU professors? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, but even, I mean, it's, here's the catch. You look at the culture war in America and the conservatives all the time are like, we're fighting the culture war. I'm like, no, you've been losing the culture war for 60 years, 60 years. Think about this, Kevin. Mm -hmm. Every societal issue you can think of, Abortion, gay marriage, you know, like the, the, the place of the family in society, any single one of these issues, have we gone more conservative, stayed the same, or gone more liberal in the last 60 years? Every yeah. single one of them, we've gone more liberal. So that's my point is all these people are like, well, the church is going more socialist or liberal. I'm like, everyone is going more liberal socialist. Look at any of your media, the movies, your music, literally everything has been won over by the left. And, and you know what we say on the right? We say, well... At least we've got a good principles. Yeah, sure, you've got your principles. You've lost everything. And your children are now, you know, campaigning for Bernie Sanders. So yeah. I'm not even trying to make this political. I'm saying we cannot be surprised that the church is trending towards the same way of the world because we're not fighting back. No one dares fight back. You know, and, and the sad reality is this. Every company in America has been converted as well. 
let me ask oh go ahead most people that listen to your podcast work for private companies and Mm -hmm. at some point or another they're going to have what they call diversity and inclusion trainings these diversity and inclusion trainings are pledges of allegiance to the brave new world to these to these new liberal um, ideologies and if you refuse to abide by them you'll get fired and you'll put the livelihood of your family at risk it is always the same the world puts a monetary threat under our throats and we don't fight back because it's very difficult you know what i'm saying we have to um we have to fight back but we also need to eat and so the choice is quickly made most of the time let me ask you a question and then i want to get on to some other questions here i know a former part-time professor at byu he's actually blind like me and he was also a lawyer, very conservative personally. In fact, I didn't realize how conservative he was until, or he is, until I've been talking to him recently. He's more conservative than I thought, which is fine. Uh, but he said, uh, let's see, back in 2001, when I met up with him at his, uh, well, at the, at the law firm that he was working at, When I met up with him to talk about some issues, he talked to me about how he was talking about abortion, and if people were walking by his class, they would think that he was a flaming liberal because he was talking about how if we outlaw abortion, we're going to go back to the days, uh, or we could go back to the days of back, uh, back alley abortions, which I believe is true. I'm against abortion, by the way. But he's right, we could. But my point is, if you walked by a professor who was teaching that and just saying that this could happen, would you consider that contrary to what the church teaches or would you consider that a liberal? Because to me, that professor was just stating the facts. Here's what could happen if we outlaw abortion. I think, I think it's, it's... I have a different opinion on that. Um, I, but I don't think that's what you're asking me. The, 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 yeah, just, just I, would you think that he was a flaming liberal just by throwing that out there? Because no, the this question could... is like, I, I'll, I'll debate you on this. Like it's, if, if you're mm-hmm. not saying, if he's not saying abortion is, is liberating and great for, for society, but he's only saying, look, we have to deal with the natural, uh, yeah. with the, the practical phenomenon and this, is, this might be the lesser of two evil or whatever, then, then there's a debate. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think that's objectionable as much. Like I'll debate you. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I would not necessarily say that he was an, a radical leftist. Okay. I just I want would, to make that clear right. because yeah, I yeah, could yeah. see I'll some parents. Yeah. Cause I could see some really, and this is the problem most conservatives have. We, there is the real and the ideal. I could just see some parents walking by. Oh, that professor's teaching my kids bad ideas. Get him out of here. And then they'd call these talk shows and just complain. Well, but- here's the thing is that I think, I think his position is erroneous, but, that's, but I'll debate him mm-hmm. because, I mean, I don't know if we should talk about this right now, but essentially my point is if we did outlaw abortion and people would go back to back alley abortion, first of all, you would see, you would probably see some damage for a certain amount of time, sure but you would see a societal change. 
Because if you have no incentive to be careful with who you have sex with, then you'll have sex with whatever and be like, well, I can always get an abortion. But if abortion becomes extremely risky, yeah, then you will start being much more careful with your contraception and with who you have sex. But so but it, you're it, uh, but 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 just walking by, hearing him say this, you would not automatically think, oh, this professor should get fired or this professor should has I no would, business. Well, I would definitely try to see if he preaches abortion as a viable solution uh, in classes, because if if that's the case, it's catchy. If you talk about a policy and say, okay, look, let's look at the pros and cons of a policy, even if we disagree with the fundamental. Um, policy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing. But if you say abortion is what have, have liberated women and this is a great advance in human society and and I love my abortion and, and if you have one, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Or, I'm like, mm, that's a very different issue. Did yeah, okay. You, can you grasp? Can you see what I'm talking about different ways? Yeah, yeah. I just bring that up because I could just see some parents... Like I said, oh, that guy has no business teaching at BYU. And somebody like me, who is a realist for the most part, would say, well, maybe he's teaching the fact of the reality. Let's give him a chance. Let's not jump to conclusions. So there's a fine line here sometimes when people complain about BYU being too liberal and somebody just hearing one thing and not sitting in all of his classes and just assuming something, I guess, is my. This is where sometimes we get into trouble. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be reasonable. You, know, you have to. Um, you have to also do the, the the intellectual work yourself to to see that there is the ideal, and then there is what we can do about the ideal, mm-hmm. and how to compromise that stuff. Because you know, like like the famous thing goes, we live in a society, right? Yeah. Um, and sadly, I mean, sadly. We have to deal with people today that have radically different views sure. on how to lead your life than we, than we may. Now, um, all I'm asking is that you do not, in, that, in, in the abortion setting, all I would ask is don't praise abortion. Don't make it this, this, this enzyme or this banner of advance for mankind when it truly yeah. isn't it is a, a dramatic a dramatic way out for people that and that should only be happening in, in desperate situation and not for comfort because if you look at yeah. the stats for abortion i think it's what 99.5 abortions are um, for either economical reasons or elective reasons but here's the thing what's the deal is I don't have enough money to take care of these babies. So I'm going to kill it. Like, look at the rest of mankind for the entire history of, of, of humanity. Most people were poor and they were still not killing their kids all the time. Like, there's different ways for this. So then they'll tell me, oh, but what about rape and incest? I'm like, that's almost no cases. I'll trade you. I'll say, okay, we keep abortion for rape and incest if you want. And we'll take care of all the other ones. You eliminate 99% of abortions right there. Yeah. But that's not the conversation that that we're having is it's about um my body my choice and all these things i'm like okay well if you want to live if you want to live your life in a celestial fashion you will get a celestial reward and all i'm saying is we should strive as byu 
to try to elevate our student body and faculty to a celestial mindset. Yeah. So let me ask you, and I probably should have asked you this at the beginning of the podcast, but I, I really wanted to get this out there and get your side of the story, because let me tell you, you're not going to get a chance on certain podcasts that I've mentioned to you off the podcast, but how did you get involved in the proclamation of the family club or making an attempt to get into that? And then how did you meet up with Hannah Sirak? Oh, I said her name, right. I should, uh, yeah, I should get a million dollars. It's very simple. When the protest broke off after that letter by Al Johnson came to the student body, LGBT protests were happening within the next half hour. It was almost instantaneous and they were calling for, some of them were calling for the death of the prophets, and we have pictures of that. Some of them were just um, just like preaching for stuff contrary to the church. Now, 60% of the people present on campus were not even BOU students. They were just activists, some from other parts of the state. And they all congregated BYU, chanting and everything. What, the reason why I got involved in all of this was because during a moment of silence, um, finally, they stopped chanting after two hours. I essentially went in the middle of that crowd and I started reading the family proclamation. What happened is I was standing on the sideline and I saw hundreds of BYU students around there disagreeing with the protest, but nobody was doing anything. And as I was wondering about this, I heard a voice in my heart saying, stop waiting for somebody else to do something. And that's when I realized that we keep waiting for other people to be leaders about these issues because we don't want to be in the arena. But a lot of times, if we don't go, nobody will. And so I just did. And then, and then Hannah Syriac got me on her podcast like five months later to, to talk about that experience. And then we were with the petition together and the rest is history, right? Now, what protest uh, enlighten, uh, enlighten us in the United? What kind of what protest went on? Uh, there was a protest in front of the Wilkinson Center at BYU with a couple hundred people essentially um, disagreeing with the clarification that had been sent out by Elder Johnson. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And then how did Hannah get involved with the pro-life club? And then I Hannah want to ask has, you a few more questions about that. Hannah has been writing a lot of papers about a lot of these issues for the last year. And she's been really successful at that um, because this was not the first controversy that year. Uh, something else happened on a black student panel and she essentially took BU's defense um, in articles in the Salt Lake Tribune and other, and other places. And so that's how she got involved in this. And then she um, got hired to, to be the presenter for the, one of the Fair Mormon podcasts. And so she's been fighting that battle since then. Okay. Now, you've got a petition. Yes. And how many signatures do you need before BYU re-examines this petition? Well, to be honest with you, everyone in BYU's administration is already aware of the petition. And a lot of the brethren are aware of the petition. So the petition technically already fulfilled its purpose. Um, now what we need to do is keep finding ways to 
make more and more people aware of of change and and so one of the things that we're we're working on is a documentary to talk about what's been going on because while a petition is useful it is not explicit enough for people to understand this issue from scratch they need visuals they need testimonies they need timelines and so we're going to put this together try to explain to members how what they can do about this how they can help uh, because a lot of people feel powerless. They just don't know. They just don't know what to do. And so we'll help them find ways to know what to do and how they can fight for the church. So you don't, So what you're telling me, you don't need a, a certain amount of signatures to get this done. You just, uh, am, I clear, am I correct? Well, if you had asked me two months ago, I would have told you, yeah, yeah, go send the petition. And you can still send the petition. It's called Emphasizing Christ-centered education at Brigham Young University. If you just type this on Google, you'll find it on change.org. And you yep. can sign it. Uh, please sign it. Um, we have 3,600 signatures right now, which is, which is more than enough to at least get our message across. Now, from the but numbers, does, if we do, things we truly change. But but the, I guess what I'm saying, what I'm asking, BYU didn't, the faculty didn't tell you, or you weren't told you need X amount of signatures in order for us to reconsider this. No, they technically have already reconsidered a lot of things. Um, if you if you look at so BYU had a had a meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, with very positive changes. Um, they essentially said that the main area of focus for the next five years was to, to refocus on having a Christ-centered education at, at BYU. Mm-hmm. So, so technically, if you, on, on the official side, we've been very successful. It's, it's lots of good stuff. But there's always a discrepancy between what they say and what they do. And so I want to keep them accountable for these good intentions they have. And here's the thing. I love BYU. The reason why I'm doing all this is because I truly care about BYU and about its mission. Because if we don't, if we stop being BYU, nobody will fill that spot. Nobody else is doing things like we do. The problem is we're starting to go away. Yeah. Because we, because we care more about what the world thinks than what Christ thinks. Well, I, I will tell you this, and I think you and I would be in agreement here. I don't know how much you know about BYU's history, but, uh, Cleon Skousen and Reed Benson yeah. would never, ever, ever make it as professors at BYU today. Do you agree? No, they would not. I that's that's unfortunate. They would never make it as professors today. And that just goes to show how far down things have gone, even in a church school. They do not have the right opinions, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And... Uh... The problem is the right opinions, quote unquote, are going further and further away from the church's opinion. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you this. I, I just did a, um, an intervention on, on the Firm Foundation conference. And they, um, I go through the timeline that this phenomenon is not new at all. It happens about every 30 years at BYU. It happened in 1910. It happened again in, 19, in 1930s with what they call the Chicago experiment. Then it happened when President Wilkinson was the president. 
in the 60s, then it happened in the 90s with the September Sixers, and now it's happening again. We're, we're just on time. It's 30 years later. It's perfect, but um, that means that we might need to have action similar to what's been done the other times to fix this issue. So do you think that uh, eventually there will be a pro-life or a uh, proclamation on the family club at BYU? Do you think that it will come to pass? Like I said, I think all these things are a symptom rather than the deep cause. Whether we have a club or not, it's not that it's almost secondary, but it's really how do we get the faculty and the students and the parents to understand that this is not just another liberal university in America and that the goal of the university, aside from just teaching secular topics, is to guide the use of the church to become the future leaders of, of the church and to excel in academia, yes, but I truly believe that you will be better in your secular studies with the light of Christ than without. So I hope that, yeah, one of the byproducts will be that we can finally have clubs to defend the doctrine of the church on campus. Um, but until then, I'm just going to... Yeah. You know. All right. And uh, what is Hannah thinking about this as far as will there be a club or will there be pro-life and proclamation on the family, those two clubs? What is her take? Um, I'm not sure, but I know that she's okay. very hopeful about the new direction that BYU is um, trying to take and course correct. So, I'd love to get Hannah on my podcast. If you could uh, send her a word about my podcast, I'd love to get her on to talk about all kinds of issues. Right, right. Um, anything else? I anything else I've missed, or have we covered everything? If there's something I've missed, <laughs> now is your time to speak. No, I think it's uh, we covered pretty much everything about about this. Yeah. All right. Oh, I was going to ask you real quick. Um, are you a lifetime member of the church, or are you a convert? I know you're from France. Right. My parents are converts, but I'm I'm a lifelong member. Yeah. Okay. And where did you? I assume you went on a mission. I did. I went to Canada and I went to Chinese speaking. Really? Where yeah. in Canada? I went to Canada too. Really? I went to uh, Eastern part. So Montreal. Oh, that would be perfect for you then. You probably didn't have to learn any, you probably had to learn the dialect of the, cause I'm sure there's different <laughs> dialects up there. Yeah. Well, I, I, I spoke Chinese mainly on my mission, but oh, the French. Right. Yes, okay. I spoke, yeah. Are there that many Chinese people in Montreal? Oh, yeah. We, we were busy. Really? Yeah. Lots of students. All you hear about in Montreal is French and how the province of Quebec is constantly at war with the rest of Canada. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Um, wow. What, when, did, when were you there? From when to when? Uh, 13 to 15. Interesting. All right. And uh, what... Did did you like your mission? Oh yeah, it was great. It was, Good. It was really great. Yeah, what it was what did you? What was the most? What what did you learn on your mission? What was the most? That, what did you learn that sticks out to you? What the most impressionable lesson? I I think learning how to recognize the spirit. Yeah, was, was the main one. How to. Yeah, it was it was it was great. It was really really good. I have to go back. I haven't been back in five years. Yeah, well, uh, maybe once this uh, COVID nineteen is over, you, maybe yeah, you could go back. Um, 
Thanks so much for having me, uh, Kevin. I, I really appreciate it. You bet. We'll talk again. Okay. Have a good day.